somebody wake me? Yo, what's up, man? Is this thing on? <laughs> Jay Soderbergh. That's me. John Luckenbaugh. That's him. Two podcasting veterans. One from the production space. And one from the outer space. And we're, we're, we're Q&A. Weekly news and tips in podcasting. On podcasts. Hello again, and welcome to the latest episode of the Queued Up Podcast on Podcasting. My name is Jay Soderberg, a.k.a. Pod Vader, and I am here with my co-host, John Luckenbaugh, a.k.a. the founder and co-host of the Queued Up Podcasting Agency. Hello, John. How are you? What's up, Jay? Doing well. What's uh? What are we getting into today? We are getting into old school content, my friend, because we are flying solo. We've had a litany of guests and we appreciate all of them but today we are going uh just me and you today talking about advertising uh this is not a topic that we are uh strangers to we've definitely talked about this before but i think today we want to sort of present the story of advertising as it pertains to podcasting today uh and quite a number of articles that i'm going to dip into to try and help tell this story are we ready for this? Do you think do you think the audience is ready for this? Yeah, I think they're craving for it. Mm. <laughs> Let's just start with sort of the perception of advertising today uh from an advertising perspective and that is uh that advertising and podcasting is something that advertisers want to be doing. This is the latest article from eMarketer as reported by Inside Radio. During the next five years, eMarketer is expecting ad spending tied to digital audio to continue to grow. Now, they expect it's going to happen at a slower pace, but here in the year 2021, they are predicting a 16% increase over the ad spend from last year. So they suspect about $5.59 billion will be spent in digital audio ad spending. Um. That's a pretty big number uh, <laughs> from eMarketer there. Now, they predict that while that's a 16% increase, obviously, John, as you continue to make numbers larger as years come, your percentages are going to start getting lower. Right. So while they predict only an 11% change for 2022, that's an 11% change on 5.59 billion. So they suspect it will grow to 6.21 billion. So overall, they see an increase in digital audio service ad spending. However, the percentage number will actually show a decrease over that course of time, uh, where in 2025, they predict $7.89 billion will be spent on digital audio ads. That's ridiculous. I mean, digital audio, that's not just podcasting. So what are the podcast numbers for that? Now, the forecast that was released last month, John, eMarketer said it remains convinced podcasting will top $8 billion in revenue this year, as it forecasts $1.28 billion in total podcast ad revenue for 2021, which is a 41% year-over-year increase. So that's just oh, for wow. podcasting. I mean, podcasting might be leading to this digital audio service ad spending spree. Right. It also might be why the growth might, from a percentage point of view, start dipping as they start getting into this. Because, as we're going to find out in some other articles, while advertisers are bullish and they list 
advertising and podcasting as a priority, they still have some attribution concerns. We're going to get into that in just a little bit. But I think it's important to sort of take a moment to look at what is an audio impression. And this article comes to us from Rain News uh, back in November of 2020. The title of this article is How Long Is an Audio Impression? Pandora Prepares Audibility Initiative. Honestly, Brian Barletta, who's been a guest on the show before, has talked about this as well, where an impression is only one second of audio. Is it one second or two seconds? I forget. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very low number. It's two, two seconds. It, yes, two seconds, as, as it says right here in the article. Pandora is looking to sort of add uh, a little bit more to the definition of what an impression actually is. Because uh, obviously, two seconds is nothing in regards to what an impression is. I mean, two seconds is welcome to. That might only be a second. <laughs> but you haven't heard the title of the show right. <laughs> in, in that phrase. It's important to understand that advertisers need their message to be heard by their audiences, and they're hoping that podcasting can deliver those messages in a better way than what they are currently seeing in regards to other media. Also, an article goes to say that this is not Pandora's first swing of, of uh, creating a standardization for audio impressions, that Pandora tested whether the MRC's two-second standard was enough time for listeners to register ad content which they found it was enough time for an ad to make memorable and lasting impression, which, I don't know, I, I kind of agree with you. It's not, <laughs> I, I can't see how an ad makes an impression after two seconds. In certain instances, you can now sort of see why there are certain techniques used in advertising that are important to them. One, always lead with the product title, right? As I just As I just showcased, when I say, Welcome to the podcast. This is, I haven't even gotten to the title of the show yet, which is the most important impression that I need to make. Two, making audio impressions, having a jingle that is strongly branded to you is super, super important. Think of the McDonald's commercials that are going on right now where the guy is now literally just, it's not even humming. The ba-da-ba-ba-ba, you know that that's McDonald's, Right. Right. As soon as you hear that tune, you know exactly what that is. It's McDonald's. Da-na-na, da-na-na. Uh, what brand is that one, John? ESPN. There you go. Having these sorts of little tricks, obviously, you don't even need two seconds to make that impression. You know exactly what this advertisement is for as soon as you hear those noises. Zoom Zoom, another popular example of a company that wanted to make sure their brand was tied to an audio. These are the types of tricks that advertisers are going to use, marketers are going to use. It actually wouldn't be a bad idea to try and do the same thing for your podcast, quite honestly. So Jay, an audio impression would be how many people have listened to your your ad or your podcast? Is that what, what you would say that an audio impression would be? That's what we, as podcasters, want them to believe that, yes, this impression counts as a listen to your ad. Is that different than your reach? In a way. So the reach is the total number of impressions that you've made. That is what your reach is. Let's say, for instance, let's, let's take a hypothetical. 
let's say you have a thousand impressions. That is your reach. You've reached a thousand people. Let's pretend again, hypothetically, that these 1,000 people only listened to two seconds of your advertisement. So that's a thousand impressions of your advertisement on these particular people. That's not a thousand listens to the advertisement because they only listened to two seconds of it. So if your advertisement was, are you looking to improve your podcast? The answer might be yes, but that's all they heard. They didn't hear anything about your pitch. Unless, of course, they continue to listen to it. And that's the argument that podcasters have made since the beginning of time, is that these people that may have only count as an impression because they listened to two seconds of your audio have actually listened to the entirety of your audio. And that's the research that Edison Research will show you through the share of ear and through the infinite dial that states that the podcast listener, a majority of them have listened to at least 75% of the content in a podcast from beginning to end. That's the sort of thing that we need to tell more of the story of. We need to stop getting bogged down with the definitions of what an impression is and rather start telling the story of how the impressions are being made. Don't worry about that. Be worried more about the how many conversions right. have I made. How many of my listeners that I've impressed have actually gone and purchased your product? And that's the thing that I've always tried to tell anybody that I've consulted with over the years. Advertisers don't just give you money because they like your podcast. Yes, they like your podcast. That's positive. But what they really want is for your listeners to buy their product. So if I come to you to advertise on your show and I paid you a certain sum of money for a certain span of time, and I noticed that your listeners haven't purchased my product, well, I'm not going to continue to give you money because your listeners are not purchasing my product. I need your listeners to come buy my product. That's why I'm giving you money. That's something that I think podcasters seem to misunderstand about how advertising works. Most of the time it's like, well, I have a podcast giving me money. <laughs> That's not how it works. <laughs> you have a podcast. Can you make your podcast make me money? That's how advertising works. Audio impressions, downloads. We all know that podcast metrics are problematic. We've been going, we were going through that before we started the show. So podcast downloads are inconsistent and oftentimes hidden from public view. We don't know, unless they publish them, we don't know what another podcast downloads are. So downloads don't exactly equal an actual listen. So the difference between a download and an impression is that the download was requested compared to an impression, which was content that was actually heard. You'll hear Todd Cochran at Blueberry explain this probably a lot better than what I will do, but I'll do my best. When you download a file, the host will get back the information of how much of the file has been downloaded. And in certain cases, especially companies that are using dynamic ad insertion, not only do they get back the information of how much of the file has been downloaded, but how much of the inserted file has been downloaded as well. So as long as, in again, in some cases, the entirety of the audio has been downloaded by a particular listening site, such as Apple, or a certain amount of the file has been downloaded by 
another particular site and has been played from that particular site, such as Spotify, you're going to get credit as a quote-unquote download, even if the entirety of the file wasn't downloaded. As long as two seconds of the audio has been downloaded, you will get credit for a download on certain platforms. And again, that you can dive into the IAB metrics and the standard that has been set there by how they decide to count the pizza slices. This is another, there was a great article that was written a while ago about a pizza shop, the magical pizza shop that sort of made a very great analogy on how we count downloads and and how we count them. And it's sort of, if I go into a pizza shop and I buy the whole pie, well, obviously that counts as me buying a whole pie. But in some cases at another pizza shop, I could walk in and just buy one slice of the pie and they were counting that as buying the whole pie. And so that's sort of what the IAB has been set up to help do is sort of standardize the way we're counting the numbers and how we attribute those numbers. And again, the numbers are important because the advertisers are looking to hit a certain number of people. And they understand, I don't know if I've said this live on the air, but there's a rule of 10 in most cases where if I put out a certain piece of anything, 10% of the people are going to actually do an action based on the command that I've requested. Uh, so if there's a, if I've impressed 100 people, 10% of that 100 people will actually do the thing that I asked them to do. And that's sort of the concept there, the rule of 10. So advertisers run by that rule of 10 all the time, which is why only the top 1% of podcasters get a lot of advertising dollars because they have the largest audiences. They are over 30,000 uh, listens per episode. 30,000 downloads per episode. However you want to describe the size of their audience, that is the way that advertisers are looking at podcasting at this particular point in time. And then when we throw out a nice large number, we have 2 million podcasts in, <laughs> in Apple and understand that, well, that 2 million is really only 200,000. And of that 200,000, only 1% of them are getting over 30,000 listens per episode. So that means really only 2,000 of the 2 million podcasts in the Apple Podcast app are actually being monetized or profitable is probably even a better way to put it. You sort of get an idea of just how far we have to go as an industry to really build this thing up into something greater. But I think the beauty of this, and it goes back to what eMarketer is saying, is the potential is there. And because we've been around for 15 years, we've actually seen the growth occur. We've seen the explosion in listening. We've seen the explosion in awareness, the infinite dial showing us how much people are now aware of the term podcasting. And all of that just goes towards there is an enormous growth curve that should be coming for podcasting. The thing is, how quickly will it happen? Right. And that's what the, if they do create the new standards, then it'll create a lot more transparency and trust, which should, like you said, open the floodgates for podcast advertising, which leads me to ask you, are audio impressions more important than downloads? Uh, in certain ways, yes. It, it again, depends on 
what's important to you. If what's important to you is monetization through advertising, then an audio impression is your most important metric. If making a podcast to reach the largest number of people possible is important to you, then an audio impression is your most important metric. If you're just a podcaster who's making great content, looking to build a community, the number that's most important to you could be vastly different than the number that's important to another person. Ultimately, see, I want to go back to something that you just said about we can create analytics that provide more transparency and more trust to advertisers. And I think that's important to note. Our listeners already trust us. And frankly, our listeners don't really care how large your audience is. Now, do they want to be part of a big community? In some cases, yes, they absolutely do. They want to feel like they are involved in something that everyone is involved in. Everybody loves this. I need to be a part of this community. I, I want to be a part of this community. I want to feel like I'm part of this community. That, by the way, is a metric that cannot be defined by an audio impression. When you go back to, is an audio impression the most important metric? In this particular case that I've just described, that's an unimportant metric. When we end up talking about these types of numbers in podcasting, we have to remember, who are we talking about these numbers for? Are we talking about these numbers for the listener? Are we talking about these numbers for a publisher? Are we talking about these numbers for the individual podcaster? Are we talking about these numbers for an advertiser? For an advertiser, audio impressions is a very important number. Now, the question that I propose back to the advertiser is why do you require such specific granularity in podcasting metrics that you do not require in television, in radio, and in other media? Because I would remind you that television and radio is still measured by a diary being sent out to one particular person on a random week in time, and that one person's diary accounts for 100,000 people. That is not very specific or granular type of information. Now, the difference here is that television and radio have obviously been around for a lot longer than podcasting. So they have a lot more ground that they have already covered over time. But also, they've also proven the effectiveness of advertising on their particular media. Where, sure, maybe that one person doesn't really account for the same likes and sensibilities of 100,000 other people. However, the advertiser has seen the results of advertising on a particular program due to the comments of that one particular person surveyed and have seen the results equate to what they feel like is 100,000 people. And I think that's sort of where we're at when we as podcasters say, we can give you the specificity that you're looking for, the advertiser is like, well, then give it to me. And then we run into a privacy issue. We run into, uh, we run into a data issue. We run into all of these different issues. And again, the thing to remember is, who are these issues really for? And the issues are really for the advertiser. And so 
if we're trying to solve these issues for one particular group, the other thing to remember is that advertising is not the only way that you can make money from podcasting. Going back to the the question between downloads and impressions, Jeff, would that depend on what kind of podcast ads you're, you're, you're getting to? So if you're buying a baked-in ad, you would be using more download measurements compared to dynamic ads, which would be more impressions? So I think what you bring up is a very important point. A dynamic ad, you can actually get better impression statistics because of the way that the technology works to feed that particular ad. So for instance, if I had a podcast that only had a baked in ad and I, I upload it to my host and it gets sent out to wherever, the only data that I have about that ad are the download statistics that I get back. And remember, I'm going to get credit for a download if only two seconds of the audio has been downloaded. So if that baked-in ad is a mid-roll, and a mid-roll as defined as in the middle of the content, uh, not at the beginning of the content or after the first 30 seconds of content or however else you'd want to look at that. If I have a mid-roll that's at like the 15-minute mark of a half-an-hour podcast, I only getting, I'm only getting data back that tells me, well, a 1,000 people listen, downloaded at least the first two seconds of my content. So I have no data at all as to whether those 1,000 people got to the 15-minute mark and listened to that baked-in ad. Now, with a dynamic ad technology, if that mid-roll ad at the 15-minute mark is dynamic, I'm not only getting the download information back from all of the places that I've sent this podcast out to, but I'm also getting download information back on the ad that is placed in the middle of that particular podcast. So now I might get back information that says a thousand people downloaded my show, but only 500 people downloaded the mid roll to my show. So again, remember, I only know that 500 people downloaded at least two seconds of that ad, but now I also know. 500 people that downloaded my podcast didn't hear the mid-roll ad in my podcast. That is also another advantage of dynamic ad insertion versus baked-in ads. It gives a little bit more granularity, not a 100% of what the advertisers are looking for, but definitely a little bit more information along the lines of what the advertisers are looking for in regards to, did the person that downloaded your podcast hear my advertisement? So having a set standard will help create better trust and transparency within those audio ads. What kind of standards would be set? Would it be like ad length or is it more like a definition of like when audio impression would be? Exactly. It's more, it goes more along the lines to how much of that particular content was downloaded because we still don't have, and maybe we do have the ability to tell if somebody's actually listened to a particular advertisement, you can make the one-to-one -one argument that if 100% of the ad was downloaded, 100% of the ad was listened to. But there are only certain instances, like with a web player. If you have a web, if you have your own web player, or the web player that the host that you're that you have your 
podcast hosted with, or any web player for that matter, you can get the granular data of how long a person listened to your podcast off of that web player. But obviously, we as podcasters are platform agnostic. So we want our podcast on our web page. We want our podcast on Apple. We want our podcast on Spotify. We want our podcast on Pandora. We want our podcast on Westwood One. We want our podcast everywhere. So we're only going to get the information. We don't get all of that granular information based on the people listening on the player on Apple. Now, individual podcasters can. They can go into Podcast Connect, check out the beta stats, which have been beta, by the way, for way too <laughs> long at this particular <laughs> point in time. Check out the beta stats, and they'll they'll see how long the audience has listened to their show. They can actually see if the, if their audience has skipped the ads. Right? They'll see that. Oh, I've got uh, I've got a hundred people that are listening to the podcast, and whoa, at this twenty minute mark, uh, those one hundred turned into twenty, but then at the sixteenth minute, uh, it's back up to a hundred. Oh, that's interesting. What happened at the fifteenth minute? Oh, that's where my ad is. My ad was sixty seconds long. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. That's what having a web player allows you to do. The f- problem is, is that you don't have a universal web player. And again, it goes back to the pizza shop. How are each of the individual companies counting the people listening? And how are they counting those people listening? So having a more standardized process, that would incentivize both ad sales and ad buys? Correct. Because if there's a more standardized process it makes everything a whole lot easier. It's not talking about apples and oranges anymore. It's talking about apples and apples. It might still be talking about Granny Smith apples compared to delicious apples, but at least they're apples. (laughs) Right. So would it create a better listener experience too? Well, you would hope that in the long run that you can blend the advertising experience to make it a better listening experience. But ultimately, these statistics are going to have literally nothing or should have literally nothing to do with the listening experience. I guess we've already covered that listeners don't really mind the advertising. So the transparency and the standards would be more for the advertising side of it than the, the, than the listener side of podcasting. Right. When you're hearing in the podcast world that there's a demand for more granularity in the attribution of podcast listening it's not the listeners that are clamoring for this it's not even the podcasters (laughs) that are clamoring for this it's the advertisers clamoring for this right and the advertisers are the ones with the money and that's what's behind all of this i have i've said from the beginning of time uh and people before me have said from the beginning of time this is where i've learned it from the people before me follow the money because when you follow the money you know exactly what the real story is. And the real story behind podcast metric attribution is advertising dollars. So just because an ad had the opportunity to be heard doesn't mean that it was compelling or achieved the advertiser's uh, KPI. Is there a way to keep track of the audibility? That's a great question, John, that I wish I had an answer to. But I know that there are lots of companies that are trying to define that, that are trying to make artificial intelligence that are trying to compile data sources so that they can tell exactly what types of ads are most successful 
and what types of ads are least successful. Is that something like you could find like AdsWiz or or Megaphone, something like that? Exactly. I'm looking at articles here from Inside Radio where Leeds RX have teamed up with Triton uh, to try and get a little better eye on what podcast ad attribution is. Uh, I see that Veritone has AI-powered analytics, and they have an agreement with Odyssey, which was previously the Entercom radio group. By the way, interesting rebrand for Entercom, but that's another story. Libsyn was just in the news, too, with a couple acquisitions that they made, right? So Libsyn is, has always and will always be one of the more interesting players in the podcasting space because, one, not only are they one of the oldest podcasting companies, but they are also the largest in terms of podcast hosting, in terms of the number of podcasts that are hosted through them or distribution. Their recent acquisitions have everything to do about monetizing podcasts. Most recently, they acquired the company Glow, uh, which allows podcasters to monetize their show through subscriptions, uh, through their listeners. Uh, basically, their listeners can subscribe to a podcast using the Glow software to make that nice and easy. They already had something that you could go and do subscriptions. So I guess this is just acquiring like software, right? Just to maybe make it easier or not. Right. That's just the technology behind behind Glow. Right. Basically, Libsyn was looking for something that was a little bit easier uh, for podcasters to use at scale. Good move. Oftentimes, these acquisitions have everything to do about trying to make things easier at scale. It's sometimes just easier to acquire a company that's already done it rather than building those tools for yourself. Right. Because there are plenty of other companies out there that do the exact same thing that Glow does, and they just do it maybe a little bit differently. Uh, Glow, I read in an article, because remember, Libsyn is publicly traded, was acquired for a very small price, $1.2 million. That is a steal yeah. uh, <laughs> when you're talking about the largest podcast host acquiring a tool to help podcasters monetize their podcast. Now, realize that purchasing a subscription is something that will benefit the podcaster themselves and perhaps can improve the listening experience because, from my experience, most podcasters, when they create a subscription feed for their show, will usually make that subscription feed ad-free. And in some cases, listeners don't want to hear ads. They don't like ads. That's the story that we hear all the time. This is a way for a podcaster to monetize their show without using ads and thus not needing all of that attribution that we're talking about. As a matter of fact, the biggest number for them creating a subscription feed is how many paying subscribers do I have and how do I make those people happy? That becomes the new metric for those podcasters that becomes important to them. Previous to the acquisition of Glow, Libsyn also had acquired a company called Oxbus, which is a podcast creation tool. I don't know a lot about Oxbus, but the other company that they acquired, and this one was for a little bit more money than what they acquired Glow for, was AdvertiseCast, uh, which was a private 
ad rep firm for podcasters to get advertising for their podcast. This is a big step forward for Libsyn. Libsyn, again, had already provided advertising services for their podcasters, but AdvertiseCast was a place where they had created their own marketplace, uh, essentially, for podcasters. This is something that Brian Barletta has been talking about. This is something that a lot of people have been talking about. How do we create a more effective podcast marketplace for advertisers to buy podcasts? Now, with AdvertiseCast, they're going to blend their marketplace into the largest podcast host in podcasting, which should make a more attractive marketplace for advertisers to uh, spend their money in. So that would be just like a marketplace where you go in and say, this is my ad spend, and then they match you with the advertisers on this on this uh, networking site. That is exactly what AdvertiseCast is doing. Okay. AdvertiseCast is telling the advertisers, this is the inventory that we have. This is the type of inventory we have. What are you looking to spend? Here you go. We've got. I wonder if that goes down into really niche audiences where you could say, I want males 25 to 54. Or is that something where it's like, I have Coca-Cola here for your budget and that's what you get. I'm not 100% sure how granular the statistics got on AdvertiseCast or how many podcasters were using AdvertiseCast before the acquisition by Libsyn. But again, the point would be the technology would be the technology is there to make that sort of thing effective and useful. Also, my understanding of AdvertiseCast, and again, this is just my own personal understanding. I don't know if this is actually the way AdvertiseCast works is that there was a lot of self-reporting being done by the podcasters to sort of provide that type of information to the advertiser. So if the advertiser was looking to target, say, 24-year-old males, the data was put into the database by the podcaster themselves. They self-reported that information. I'm assuming AdvertiseCast had a way to uh, confirm that that information was all factual that's what I was just going to ask. How can that be? How can that be trusted? I would assume AdvertiseCast has a way to do that, and that is why Libsyn decided to purchase AdvertiseCast to again make that scalability. They obviously have the podcasters. AdvertiseCast has the means to create the marketplace for potential advertisers. It seems like a perfect marriage. So, do you think this positions Libsyn to be bought out by someone else because now they have? Now they have all the ingredients to... That's an interesting question that I saw proposed. Libsyn has, again, been around for the longest out of any of the companies. Uh, It's right up there with Blueberry. And as I mentioned, they are a publicly traded company. So to acquire Libsyn would (laughs) would be to acquire them through the stock market. Not saying that it's impossible. And again, I'm not an expert on these types of things and exactly how they would be done. But it would definitely be a lot more difficult to acquire Libsyn than it would be to acquire one of these privately owned companies. It's been acquired by Libsyn themselves. I think what Libsyn has done here is they are adding tools to their platform that will help the people that are on their platform better monetize their shows. There are two questions that most podcasters ask as they get started. One, how do I grow my audience? And two, 
How do I monetize? The ultimate goal of most podcasters, I'm not saying this is every, but it is a lot. Most podcasters is to make money from their podcast so that they don't have to do whatever other job that they are doing. And now it makes the decision a lot easier on where to host your podcast. You don't have to figure out, oh, blueberries, breakers, buzzsprout. It's just go to Libsyn because they have everything. They are the Well, <laughs> that's one way to look at it. And I'm sure that's the way that Libsyn is hoping that most podcasters would be looking at it. But those other places have addressed these particular needs in their own ways as well. Right. I think this, these were no-brainer moves by Libsyn. I don't think this is make. I don't think Libsyn's ultimate goal is to get acquired by one of these larger publishers out there. Although I'm sure all of the people that have invested in Libsyn over the years uh, would be more than happy to have someone acquire the company for a kabillion dollars. <laughs> they would they they would be overjoyed to get that return of their investment. I don't think that's what Libsyn's long, long play here is. I think Libsyn's long play is to continue to add tools that will help their podcasters achieve the goals that those podcasters have set for themselves. And I think Libsyn have, have positioned themselves to do so in a great way. And, and frankly, all of these other platforms have been providing these types of solutions for years now, probably at Libsyn's expense. Now, like you said, podcasters don't need to go to another platform to get the tools that they're looking for to achieve their goals. You know, another fun activity, James Cridlin of Pod News uh, on a weekly basis has a chart of the number of podcasters that leave hosting companies and what hosting companies are acquiring those particular refugees, if you will. It's a fun chart to look at to see who's leaving what platforms for whom. Libsyn, I mean, is the largest, so it only bears to know that they would have the largest departures as well. I wonder how many of those departures will slow because of these acquisitions. That would be that would be the thing. You're going to get churn no matter what. Right. That's just a that's just a simple fact of doing business. But at the end of the day, Libsyn wants to maintain what they have and continue to grow. These tools are effective means to pushing them forward in both those matters. I only had one other article that I wanted to discuss in regards to all of this, and that is Audioboom, another hosting company uh, that has been around for a number of years. They have reported their quarter one for 2021, their quarter one earnings. And they had record quarterly revenue of $9.5 million, which was up 49% on quarter one of 2020, uh, where they earned $6.4 million. And it is up 12% on their quarter four earnings in 2020 of $8.5 million. Now, it's important that Audioboom is a hosting company. Uh, they are a content company. They are a publishing company. So they make revenue in quite a number of different ways. Libsyn, by the way, is not a content company. They do not, other than the feed, uh, to my knowledge, they are not producing other content shows. Again, that's to my knowledge. I'm fairly certain I can say that with authority. Now, the Audioboom 
also reported that their quarterly adjusted EBITDA profit uh, was 0.03 million. And that is a profit. In quarter one of 2020, they actually lost $0.5 million. So Audio Boom has turned the corner. They're now in the black. They're no longer in the red. At least quarter one, they're in the black. They're not in the red. Their average global monthly downloads increased to 87.1 million, which was up 37% from last year. Their global downloads in March uh, reached 91.6 million. So Audio Boom's podcasts are doing quite well, <laughs> is one way to put it. The interesting number that, uh, <laughs> that, that I saw was average global revenue per 1,000 downloads, the eCPM, increased to $40.55. That was up 14% from 35.55. So their effective CPM, cost per 1,000, is 40 That's impressive. Understanding that the average CPM is right around $25. That's pretty good. So what does that mean? It means they're selling at a really high rate. And people are are buying them. People are buying, and those people are seeing results from those purchases. So you think that's going to cause the CPM from other companies to to increase as well? Well, that would be my hope. (laughs) (laughs) That would be the thing I would hope to see. This is the first of the companies to release their quarterly earnings. Uh, We'll hear from others uh, over the next couple of weeks. But this is all very good news in regards to the growth of podcasting, obviously from from a monetary standpoint, but the growth of podcasting from a listener standpoint and the growth of podcasting from a creation standpoint, all of this is very good news. Uh, that, that's all I've got on the story of advertising and podcasting as it relates today. I mean, it can get very technical. And as I even mentioned, I'm not even that much of an expert in this particular regard. Hopefully, what you can understand from this conversation is... If advertising is of the utmost importance to you, then the way that your advertising is attributed, the way that it is counted is of the utmost importance to you. And that, of course, can go down a dark and scary road of privacy matters for your listening audience, which is a completely different topic and perhaps a completely different podcast at a later date that hopefully I won't need to be a part of. But (laughs) that is also a story for a different day. John, if people are interested in talking to you about creating a podcast that they could monetize, how could they do so? They can reach out to us through our website, which is qdup.com, qd-up.com, through email, info at qdup.com, or reach out to us on any of our social channels. Uh, If you are interested in learning more about podcast advertising and my experience in that realm, uh, you can reach out to me via direct message on Twitter. I'm at TheRealPodVader on Twitter. Uh, You can reach out to me by message on LinkedIn. Uh, Search for PodVader there. PodVader will pretty much lead you in my direction. Uh, If you prefer email, nextfanup at gmail.com is uh, the public email address for my uh, NFL podcast. 
And so the way to get in touch with me uh, would be easiest through that email. Uh, so yeah, it was uh, hopefully again. There's a lot of stuff in there. I hope I hope this was helpful to people, John. I would just love to hear a tweet or an email or your your thoughts on advertising and podcasting if you got to this point of the show. Because I'm I, I hope that this really was a helpful conversation for you. How about for you, John? Did it help you? It was phenomenal. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was excellent, Jay. I think uh yeah, a lot of helpful information. Really excited by what we're seeing through these articles and these reports that are coming out that there is a lot more potential that can be reached through the advertising on podcasts well i happen to know a little birdie has told me that we'll be joined by another special guest next week uh look forward to that conversation uh it should be a good one uh and it's from it's from someone that we've referenced to before on this show. Hmm. If I could only point to that particular person, I could give you a better tease, but you'll just have to wait until next week. Maybe there will be a, a lightsaber battle. Hmm. Mm. Um, no, no, there will not be. <laughs> there will not be. Uh, until next week, uh, for that potential lightsaber battle, <laughs> I am Pod Vader. He is John Luckenbaugh. This has been the queued up podcast on podcasting. There you have it.